It's time! You're listening to the Cage Nation TV Prize Fight Podcast. Coming to you from the Coastal Cameron Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina. Are you ready? Here's your host, the big fella, Albert Cameron. Let's get it on! Thank you for tuning in to the Prize Fight Podcast, Wilmington, North Carolina's favorite combat sports podcast since 2013. Cage Nation TV has been bringing you authentic, regular coverage. I'm your host, the big fella, Mr. Albert Miller. And today on the Prize Fight Podcast, we're going to be talking about some pretty fun things. Some things that are going to be making some waves. Uh, number one, we're going to be talking about the UFC getting into the boxing. We're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly about the world's largest mixed martial arts promoter getting into the sweet science of boxing. My favorite topic, every time we get up behind the microphone, is Conor McGregor. And I'm telling you what, this time, the man needs to be stopped. We're going to be rounding out the Press 5 podcast today with uh, talking about the heavyweight and the light heavyweight division and how I think it's time. I always talk about how we shouldn't be meddling with things, how we shouldn't be trying to reinvent the wheel, but I think it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for the Cruiserweight division to be introduced into the world of mixed martial arts. It's a big episode of the Prize Fight Podcast. Don't go nowhere. We're coming right back. This week's episode of the Prize Fight Podcast. This week's episode of the Prize Fight Podcast has been brought to you by the novel Broken Promise Records, written by A.P. Miller. Broken Promise Records is available right now in paperback and for the Amazon Kindle. Go to www.amazon.com and search Broken Promise Records by A.P. Miller. Welcome back, friends, to the Prize Fight Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, the big fella, Mr. Albert Miller, and a lot a lot of cool stuff has actually happened since the last time I was on the Prize Fight Podcast. Uh, last time I was on the Prize Fight Podcast, I was getting ready to leave for Pennsylvania, which I did. I was extremely fortunate enough to go to uh, Bellator 186 at the Bryce Jordan Center in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, where Cage Nation TV was actually born and uh, born and forged. Got to uh, see some excellent fights. Ethan the Wolverine Goss put on a really good show. Ryan Bader, who we're going to be talking about here later in the Prize Fight Podcast. Phil Davis, Ed Ruth, Chris Dempsey. Guys are always a real joy to watch. I got to be a part of that. And we definitely want to thank Bellator MMA for, for allowing us to be on site and to do our media thing. That is huge. Today in history is actually a very big deal. Uh, today is the 24th anniversary of UFC number one. An extremely important day in the sport that we all know and love. Hoist Gracie, Pat Smith, Ken Shamrock, Gerard Gordeau, Taylor Tui, Art Jimerson, Kevin Kevin Rosaire and Zane Frazier were the first eight men to compete in the octagon. All eight of those men are extreme, uh, not extremely, but certainly pioneers in the sport of mixed martial arts, and it's all been history ever since. Without those first eight men, without those guys responding to the ads in Black Belt Magazine or whatever the case may be, we would not have a sport to, that we know and love today. So for that reason, uh, you definitely want to celebrate those eight men 24 years since UFC number one. And it's absolutely huge. Uh, the big news, or the biggest news that, I, that I've noticed, is that Dana White has confirmed that he's getting into boxing. That he's working on getting in a boxer's license. Boxing promoter's license, I'm sorry. I had a lot of coffee today and I, I think my sugar is a little bit off. Uh, so if I sound kind of loopy, kind of goofy, I'm fine. This is coffee taste really, really good. Uh, White clarifies that he's not leaving the UFC, that he's getting into boxing with Ari Emanuel, the CEO of WME IMG, effectively... Dana White's boss. He says that the boxing will be a part of the UFC's brand. And it's important for me to note, important for me to tell you, that before he was the UFC president, before he was involved with Zufa LLC, Dana White was involved in boxing and managing athletes. So this is not a his first foray into boxing. It's a return, if you will. Uh, so we're going to break it down into three different parts. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, the good. We'll start with the good. It's always good to start with the good. Always good to start off with a positive note because positivity 
that gets more positivity. The UFC already has the platform to make an excellent go at it. It also has the capital to bring in some big name boxers to add some star power. Uh, right now, uh, boxing's heavyweight division is, is exactly what the UFC's heavyweight division is not. So, uh, while nothing is confirmed, no athletes have been in talks or at least have been reported, you know, is it out of the question to say that the UFC could bring in a Deontay Wilder or an Anthony Joshua or perhaps even uh, help facilitate the return of uh, Vladimir Vitaly Klitschko? You know, the UFC has that kind of pull. They have that kind of money that could bring in those names. Uh, the UFC also wouldn't be completely inventing the wheel. It already has the connections and market share that would make that investment. It would be more the UFC investing in the UFC boxing brand than it would be to say invest in, oh, we gotta get, we gotta get cable outlets. We gotta get merchandising. We get, we need people who know how to do this. What's going on? No, that, those, those wheels are already there. Those things can already be put into motion. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, and, and I'm very sick, guys. If my voice sounds off, it's because I, uh, I'm very, very sick. I actually got sent home from work on Friday because I had a fever. But that's not going to stop The Rock when it comes to the Prize Fight Podcast, no sir. So, um, you know, the UFC already has those people in place. They already have people with cable deals who already know how to do production. Very good at production. Part of the WMEIMG person the UFC for $4 billion was that these these uh, processes, these aspects were already in place. So to add boxing to the current line of programming, it's just a matter of building a new brand and you know, maybe creating a new logo. Uh, doing something to say that the UFC is just as good as boxing as they are at mixed martial arts. And uh, we're going to talk about that uh, coming up in the bad and the ugly parts of it. But uh, also, Chris Cyborg getting a boxing license makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? She has obtained a boxing license in California, just like Conor McGregor did that started out all his trouble. But, I mean, is it entirely possible that Chris Cyborg could be one of the UFC's first brand UFC-branded boxers? Uh, Steve Pamiocic also said he'd be interested in boxing, as long as Anthony Joshua, you know, those sort of things. <sighs> I... I we're going to talk about this in the bad and the ugly, but I mean, there's always a downside to that, but I'm a very big fan of the, uh, of certainly the upside. Let's talk about the bad. With the UFC's recent history of cost slashing measures, cost slashing measures, how much is the UFC really going to invest in a new venture? Here's the kind of scary part about that. I mean, could the UFC be like, okay, well, we got an octagon, we want boxing, but we're not going to buy a boxing ring. We don't want to put on independent boxing shows, so we're just going to have people doing cage boxing before UFC events. Ugh, I don't like the way that sounds, you know? It just doesn't feel good. A lot of boxing purists will have the just cause to believe that this is the only happening. The UFC's only getting into boxing because of the synthetic success of Mayweather versus McGregor. Whenever Mayweather versus McGregor was announced that they were going to be promoting, I mean, did anyone say, oh, this is going to have huge implications. This is going to be a big deal for the UFC... Or not the UFC, but boxing's uh, welterweight division? No, no, no. That fight was a cash grab. And everyone, and I mean everyone, is acknowledged. The potential backlash is incredible. Is it going to be cage boxing? Will the MMA occur in a ring? Will it be an eight-sided ring? Right now, at this moment, there are too many variables for us to, for me anyway, to completely embrace this idea, this concept. I mean, there are just too many what-ifs that are out there to say, hey, you know what? I think this is a good idea. Now, let's talk about the ugly. And... I want to put this out there that I'm not trying to, to take a swift leak in the UFC's Wheaties. I'm just trying to be a realist. I have watched MMA long enough that I've been able to identify trends, able to identify patterns that when X number of things start happening, you can kind of tell, hey, the writing's on the wall. This is ugly. The UFC, especially in the middle of a sea change, having been purchased by WME IMG, is not immune to the business failings that have killed other promotions. When a fight promotion walks away from its core competency, bad things happen. And there's one promotion in particular that I feel exemplifies what I'm trying to get at. And those three letters are the I-F-F. 
L. The International Fight League was was amazing, and and I don't know if it's because I'm the only one who really saw its brilliance. But the IFL had so much that was going on. Um, they had the IFL brand, which was cool. But then they had like eight or so mini brands, and it's because the IFL owned those teams. Think about it like if the uh, NFL owned the Pittsburgh Steelers or the, the Houston Texans or the Carolina Panthers. Every time someone bought a, a Panthers ticket or bought a Panthers shirt, a jersey, the NF, that goes to the NFL's bottom line. That's what the IFL had. The IFL had that. And, and you know, then they kind of gave that branding away. They said, okay, well, you know what? We don't really want our own gym. We don't want our own teams. We're, we're not interested in that. So I tell you what, you guys train with Randy Couture, you'll be extreme Couture. Uh, American top team, you know, Miltich fighting systems. The IFL gave that branding away. And then they're like, you know what? We're not even going to fight in the ring anymore. We're going to fight in this structure called the Hex. And the Hex was a six-sided ring that never made debut number one for the IFL. The IFL had shut down shortly after that. Uh, Elite XC tried to bank on the success of Kimbo Slice. God rest his soul. And that didn't work out for them. Uh, Affliction tried to compete with the UFC head-on. I mean, that was just poor. No one goes after the UFC, especially when they were in Zufo. Uh, WEC eventually had to fold. World Fighting Alliance. You know, these things. <laughs> Strike Force. I mean, everyone eventually succumbed to the UFC. And it's because they had best business practices in place. Well, now that the UFC has kind of like been the top dog and it's been the top dog for a while and I maintain the Bellator's on their heels, well, now they are not immune from those things that put the IFL on the ground that, that killed Strike Force from maybe WEC or Elite XC. So they need to be careful with that. Uh, the UFC could also face a firestorm of regulatory issues from state athletic commissions, making it difficult to promote depending on how events are set up. Uh, Pennsylvania, I think, is my, is my greatest example is if Pennsylvania doesn't like what you're doing, they will not think twice about shutting you down, period. They will not think twice about shutting you down. I've seen them cancel fights because they thought a guy was lying about his training. I've seen them uh, cancel events because not enough fighters were willing to fight. And every state athletic commission has that power. So if the UFC trying to in integrate boxing into their promotion, they do something that the event doesn't like, well, then you have the UFC 151 situation where they're going to cancel it for it. Uh, the, the, the ugliest thing I think could happen is the weight classes could become even more convoluted than they already are uh, with talent trying to jump ship from one side to another. Uh, you know, we had McGregor who went to went to fight Floyd Mayweather, and he has completely neglected featherweight and now lightweight. I mean, the man has won how many titles he has yet to defend them. Uh, what if Stipe Miocic decides he's going to box? Well, what's that do with the already lacking UFC heavyweight division? Whenever we create these opportunities for cross-promotion, I mean, we're certainly setting ourselves up for opportunities where if you take from one, one's going to lack in the benefit of the other. Some things to consider before we completely embrace this or write this off, the UFC is not the first at being a boxing slash MMA promoter. Valley Fight League and the World Fighting Championships already beat them to the punch. Now, also, the UFC could be picking fights with the wrong kinds of enemies. Guys like Oscar De La Hoya and Al Heyman are not the type to give up market share easily. Some things to consider. I mean, I honestly, because I love the sport and the brand so much, I hope that it all works out in the best possible way. I think uh, if UFC is able to pull off boxing, if they are able to make it work, that makes my combat sport consumption even better. But if you've been listening to the Price Fight podcast the last couple weeks, I cannot guarantee that's going to be the case. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about my favorite topic. We're talking about Conor McGregor, and then we're going to be talking about how it is time for MMA to embrace a cruiserweight division. Don't go nowhere. It's the Prize Fight Podcast. 
Hey everyone, while we're taking a break, we just want to remind you that right now we are looking for new people to join the Cage Nation TV roster of creators. We're looking for creators who have a fight circuit close to home, who have a sincere passion for combat sports, and would like to help us bring new territories to the forefront of our coverage. For more information, visit www.cagenationtv.com slash opportunity slash pioneer, or send us an email at cagenationtv at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Prize Fight Podcast. I'm Albert Miller, your host. Thank you guys very much for joining us from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you guys uh, just tuning in week in, week out. That's why we do it, because we love it. We love you. Uh, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time on this because I feel like I've done it enough already, but I need to address the elephant in the room, that elephant being Conor McGregor. I think the man needs, absolutely needs to be stopped. McGregor, again, had to be the center of the spotlight by jumping the cage at Bellator 187 and allegedly assaulted a referee official. I actually don't care enough to, to find out the difference. But at what point do we say that the shenanigans are enough? McGregor is a UFC contracted athlete, so making it a spectacle at Bellator should be a pretty big offense. Makes the UFC like look like they can't control McGregor. And they can't. Damn. Let's be honest, they cannot. That's why McGregor versus Mayweather happened, despite Dana White saying absolutely not. I hate to tell anyone how to parent their children, but it looks like McGregor is the inmate running the asylum. McGregor has been in business for McGregor's self since he started his UFC career. He has won titles that he has yet to defend. In fact, every title he's won, he has yet to defend. He's left the featherweight and lightweight divisions in the lurch and has completely played the hissy fit card to get the multi-million dollar payday from Floyd Mayweather. Uh, you know, and a lot of people love him, and I get it. I mean, does he go out there and fight? Yes. Is he entertaining to watch? Yes. But from an organizational standpoint, I mean, the UFC has enough uh, opportunities for improvement on the table as it is. Do they need Conor McGregor making life difficult for them? Absolutely not. And I mean, I think at some point, someone needs to sit down with them and be like, Hey, Conor, probably not a good idea that you go to the competition's card and make a, make a spectacle out of yourself because it makes life really, really difficult for us. So that is my piece on it. I'm not giving that man a whole lot of my time today, uh, but I feel like it is so newsworthy that I cannot overlook it. So thank you, Conor McGregor, again, for buying time on the Price Fight Podcast. Eventually, one of these days, I'm going to send you a bill. Last thing I'm going to talk about today on the Price Fight Podcast is I think the sport is ready for a cruiserweight division. The country as a whole is in the middle of a heavyweight drought. Dana White has said it himself on the Dana White Contender Series when Alan Crowder was signed that the UFC needs heavyweights. Uh, the UFC... The UFC heavyweight division used to be it. I mean, y'all remember? Randy Couture, Maurice Smith, Randy Couture again, Brock Lesnar, Andre Arlovsky. I mean, there was a point where everyone thought Andre Arlovsky was the man he couldn't be beat. They're like, oh, we need Fedor versus Arlovsky. It's a time that I like to call Arlovsky mania, and I'm not going to lie. Before I was Albert Cameron of the MMA Rundown or Albert Miller of the Price High Podcast, I thought it was kind of cool that Tim Sylvia beat Andre Arlovsky because finally, finally, we could be done with Arlovsky mania and saying that our, and Andre Arlovsky was the best ever. He was good. He was a great champion, but I thought his time had run. Well, now we're in a moment in time where the UFC and other promotions, we need heavyweights. We need heavyweights badly. I uh, I really think that there was a heavyweight who fought out of Pennsylvania. His name was Clark Young. I really held out hope. And I mean, I still might hold out hope that Clark Young was going to be heavyweight champion because the guy's a monster. I mean, you hear me tell the story about him and Adam Smith Urbany nearly killing me because I was on the middle of a middle of a, a tree stand and Mike Kessling, that's that's really funny, he told me, hey, you know, big people don't get on big people get on tree stands all the time. I think that Mike Kessling may have lied to me. But uh, I thought Clark Young was gonna be a contender. I mean he still might be. Guys like OJ Vickers. The country as a whole is moving towards lighter weights. I mean we're right now we're talking about the greatest fighter of the time right now 
is being Demetrius Johnson, who fights at 125. And the, they're just guys aren't showing up at 265. Uh, the Bellator MMA Heavyweight Grand Prix bracket is half, exactly half, light heavyweights. Uh, the UFC's heavyweight and light heavyweight divisions have completely stalled, and there's a need for fresh blood. And let me put an asterisk by this. The light heavyweight division has stalled because John Jones got involved in some stuff in his life. And I think that we've uh, not minced words here at KHNC TV about what kind of stuff he's getting involved in and and what kind of things are happening. But hey, that's just me. You know, that's just me. Uh, But right now, both the light heavyweight and the heavyweight divisions, I mean, there's a need for fresh blood. So the solution to the problem in Professor Albert's mind is a division between heavyweight and light heavyweight, and that division's most often called the cruiserweight division. A uh, proposed cruiserweight division would be somewhere with a weight limit of either 220 or 235. And it's a happy medium. I mean, guys who, obviously guys who are struggling to cut to 265, they're not going to fight a cruiserweight. But think about how many uh, heavyweights that could easily make a 220 weight limit. I think Mirko Kroka weighs in at 220 whenever he weighs in to fight a heavyweight fight. Uh, guys like Alan Crowder, who I think weighed in at 245 or 235. Those kind of guys are perfect for a cruiserweight division. Uh, athletes in both the heavyweight and light heavyweight division would be able to cross-compete against each other. How cool wouldn't it be to see a guy like Daniel Cormier fight a guy who was a heavyweight? And I know DC fought at heavyweight, but how cool wouldn't it be to see like um, a Steve Miocic versus a Daniel Cormier for a cruiserweight a cruiserweight title fight? And, and you're saying, oh, Albert, well, the Daniel Dan Cormier is already light heavyweight champion and Steve Miocic is heavyweight champion. Well, apparently we just don't give a shit about that in mixed martial arts anymore or else Conor McGregor would have been keeping his happy ass at, at featherweight. But we don't care about those things. So, I mean, it would be cool to see those kind of things happen. Uh, a cruiserweight division could easily be populated by guys like DC or Mirko Krokop, Alan Crowder, Ilya Latifi, which I think is a name because, I mean, that man is absolutely built like a heavyweight, but fights at light heavyweight. Randy Couture, who was a multi-divisional champion, both at heavyweight and light heavyweight. Chuck Liddell. Those types of fighters would be the guys who could easily, easily make up a, light, uh, a cruiserweight division. It's time for things like these to happen. I mean, with both divisions stalling, maybe it's time we bring both divisions together. It's going to be the same thing that's going to happen with the women's bantamweight division. Eventually, we're going to have to do things like that. I know we're cutting it kind of close on the on the time here at the Prize Fight Podcast, but the big fellow is kind of sick. But I definitely want to get behind the microphone and talk about some things that are happening. Thank you very much to, again, Bellator MMA for allowing us to be a Bellator 186. Thank you very much to you guys for tuning in every week. We'll be back next week when the big fellow is feeling much better right here on the Prize Fight Podcast. And until next time, fights, camera, action. Thank you for tuning in to the Cage Nation Prize Fight Podcast. All rights reserved 2016 to 2017 Planet Aries Sports. The Prize Fight Podcast is part of the Cage Nation Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.cagenationtv.com.